It's the place where today's trending stories meet common sense and intelligent insight. Kind of what I feel like is a pretty balanced perspective. And a few laughs along the way. I like knowing things. This is the Angie Austin and Mike Opelka Show. Hello, happy listeners. Welcome to Monday, a brand new week, a brand new chance for you to uh, get your week started on a positive note. I saw something today that just inspired me. It was something that appeared on social media. It was a photo of a sign. And the photo of the sign was targeting, uh, let's just say, that old statement about, uh, you know, the optimist and the pessimist and they're looking at the glass and is the glass half empty or is the glass half full? And, you know, which, which are you? Do you see the glass as half empty and half full? And I've always thought that uh, I was one of those people who was a, a half full person, who was a positive person. And now I think I might be different. I might be someone who takes a different perspective on things. And why do I say this? It's all because of this. This little sign that I saw posted online, this little sign that talks about perspective and about uh, how people see things. The sign reads, Dear Optimist, Pessimist, and Realist. While you guys were busy arguing about the glass of water, I drank it. Sincerely, The Opportunist. Now, I'm not saying you should steal anyone's water, But uh, while many of us spend time arguing over things, there are those among us, whether they are positive or negative, who are doing things. And I think the doers are the ones who make the difference in the world. And so I am going to, in, in my own personal beliefs, I am going to make the effort to be the opportunist today and to be the opportunist with a conscience so that I'm not just running willy-nilly into doing something. So that's just a little thought. Dear optimist, pessimist, and realist, while you guys were busy arguing about the glass of water, I drank it. Put it to good use. All right, so let's, uh, let's try and stop arguing today. I know it's a lot going on. I found something kind of funny. You, you all know if you've listened to the Angie Austin and Michael Pelka show, and I hope you listen every day, and I hope you support the uh, advertisers to this show as well. You know I like history, and I like to look back at things. And it was almost 40 years ago that a movie came out, and I remember going to see this movie on the first day it hit theaters. It was a Monty Python film that uh, poked fun at religion. It was called The Life of Brian. And uh, it, it was at sometimes kind of sacrilege, and making fun of organized religion. But there was also a scene in this movie that I think was a foreshadowing of the argument we have, the insanity we are having over gender. The scene has four characters in ancient Rome sitting on steps discussing how they're being oppressed by the Romans. It's three men and a woman, or at least it sounded like that. Let me give you a little taste. Furthermore, it is the birthright of every man or woman. Why don't you shut up about women, Stan? You're putting us off. Women have a perfect right to play a part in our movement, Reg. Why are you always on about women, Stan? I want to be one. They stop and look at him. Stan has just said he wants to be a woman. This is 39 years ago. 
this was in a major movie. It continued, and Monty Python made a very clear statement. What? I want to be a woman. From now on, I want you all to call me Loretta. What? It's my right as a man. Oh, why do you want to be Loretta, Stan? I want to have babies. Does this sound like any of the madness we're hearing in arguments today? It gets even weirder and more accurate. You want to have babies? It's every man's right to have babies if he wants them. But you can't have babies. Don't you oppress me. I'm not oppressing you, Stan. You haven't got a womb. Where's the fetus going to just take? You're going to keep it in a box? Stan start crying. I mean, Loretta. Here, I've got an idea. Suppose you agree that he can't actually have babies, not having a womb, which is nobody's fault, not even the Romans, but that he can have the right to have babies. Good idea, Judith. We shall fight the oppressors for your right to have babies, brother. Sister, sorry. What's the point? What? What's the point of fighting for his right to have babies when he can't have babies? It is symbolic of our struggle against oppression. Symbolic of his struggle against reality. There it is. It is symbolic of his struggle against reality. How is this not a perfect mirror of what we're facing almost 40 years after this? Can we please have sanity? Can we please, Lord, have sanity and reality and an honest conversation when people say crazy things? Austin and Mike Opelka, and we have a really unique situation going on here, and I don't quite know how to explain it, so I'm going to defer to my co-host, Mike Opelka, to explain the shenanigans that he's up to or the professional work that he's up to. Whatever it may be, it's all good. Well, I like to think that it's professional shenanigans, <laughs> if that's if that's even a thing. Maybe that's my thing, Angie. I'm coming to you live via the miracle of our remote studio facilities, also known as my car, yes. where I have uh, connected with our good friend, attorney, author, speaker, and pal, Wendy Patrick. And she's actually in my state of Delaware. So I have, uh, under the guise of uh, offering her a ride to her event, I have kidnapped her, <laughs> taken her on a tour of the Delaware Children's Theater, and now I'm showing her uh, all of the wonderful sights of the the first state in our union. Yes, Hi, Angie. I'm actually in the front seat of his car. So, yes, all of that so far has been true. Oh, my gosh. That is so when, when you say connected with people have no idea, like she's in the front seat of your car. And that's the miracle <laughs> of radio that that's called I'm, old school connected with. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Not LinkedIn, but in person. yes, I love this. So she's uh, getting a tour of the greater Delaware area area at this early hour. And what better time to see it when there's no traffic. And then uh, we have a very important topic to talk about as well. Besides the fact that Wendy uh, is in the front seat of your car uh, <laughs> and home studio or whatever that thing is you call it, mobile studio. Um, Kavanaugh, we've got to talk about what went down. Yeah, this is amazing because Judge Kavanaugh is now Justice Kavanaugh. He's on the court. He's working. And yet late last week, we heard a story of a, uh, a woman who could face legal action. And I wanted to pick Wendy's brain on this for making a false accusation about Justice Kavanaugh, claiming that he and a friend 
raped someone, her, or, and it was anonymously sent originally. But uh, this whole deal, uh, I, I just want to know, Wendy, uh, yeah, we have Justice Kavanaugh now, and he's doing his job. But does this woman or any of the women who made false allegations, could they be facing jail time for this? Well, when you look at the the uh, ramifications for making false allegations, one of the first things you look at is to whom were disclosures made? What is was it under oath? Was it affirmation? Uh, was there any sort of penalty of perjury? In this instance, what it apparently happened, and and this is you know we're, we're learning we're not learning as much about this as we would like because this really is pretty explosive. Um, it basically, it's a Kentucky woman who accused Brett Kavanaugh of rape, has been referred formally to the Department of Justice by Senator Grassley after she admitted making up the allegations for attention. Now, beyond that, beyond that, what we would really like to know were more about the circumstances under which she made these disclosures and to whom to determine what type of legal liability she could be facing. We've got this letter dated November the 2nd uh, to Jeff Sessions uh, that is from Senator Grassley. And I got to tell you, this is a, let's see, not only talks about what she did, but it also talks about the resources expended to investigate her allegations. As if this committee isn't busy enough doing what they do, they had to go run down this rabbit trail over a, a, something that wasn't even true. So all of that is going to go into the mix and deciding what do we do now? So you guys, I've, it's confusing to me. So let me just read you a little snippet of what I've gathered. Okay. And then Mike, Mike covers this stuff as you know, Wendy, and I know you do as well, cause you're not, you're not just an expert on our show. You're on many television and radio shows and you have a, an actual job as an attorney. <laughs> Uh, a, a career, but what I so Grassley is asking the FBI to investigate this second woman um, against Justice Brooke Kavanaugh, uh, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, wrote in a letter to the FBI that was on Friday that Senate investigators tracked down Judy Monroe Layton, who at first claimed she was the author of this anonymous letter that made allegations against Kavanaugh. Then during an interview with investigators, the Kentucky woman, you mentioned she's from Kentucky, recanted, said she was never the author, that she'd never met Kavanaugh, and then Grassley now wants her investigated for making the false statement. And then earlier, if I got this right, Grassley had asked the FBI to investigate another woman who made accusations, and that was that Julie Swetnick woman. That's right. Yeah, Angie, you, you, you almost can't make it up. It's it's one thing after another. And it's one of the things that, that we don't like about false allegations is they, deli- they, they delegitimize valid claims, of exactly. which there are plenty of. So you don't you want people to be empowered coming forward when they are victimized and you don't want them to worry that their claims are going to be met with a skeptical eye because you have false claims like this. And this is just one of those instances. And, you know, it's really rare that we have a confession that somebody made it up. Most of the time we speculate, we, we just don't know one way or another. This appears to be a pretty bright line where she basically says she, she did it for attention. I mean, you're probably looking at the same letter that I am and the same um, tweet by the president that uh, really outlines um, what this woman said when she finally was interviewed over the phone. You know what bugs me, Ange, is that uh, nobody in the mainstream media seems to be reporting about this. It is uh, the the invisible story days before the midterms. This came out Friday, and it basically was shoved under the rug, and we have not talked about it. But this seems to validate so many of the claims that— 
all of the stuff that was thrown at Kavanaugh during his confirmation hearing, uh, uh, so much of it that he denied, all of it he denied. And now you have to wonder, was any of it true? Well, and also uh, the attorney that represents—it's just—it's uh, like Boyd just said. You can barely even make sense of this. You can't even make it up. But um, wasn't Swetnick associated with uh, uh, Michael Avenatti as well? Yep. Wasn't he like repping her to come forward with her allegations? Right, and you know that we talked about that. I want to say the three of us on, on a prior segment because that was uh, a whole issue in and of itself. Is you did have a sworn declaration there, and you have uh, had Avenatti talking about it. But you know, Avenatti, he he knows better than that. It, it we don't know whether or not he may have thought it was completely legitimate when he put that forward, not knowing. Uh, that she was going to later recant her story, as you remember she did on, on NBC, I think it was, a, a couple of nights later. Yep. So he was really put in a bad spot. And you know, Angie and Mike, I began my career as a public defender. Most people that know me could never believe that, but it's true. And one of the things I always had to say is my client represents that because you just never know. And mm-hmm. Avenatti may have been caught off guard by uh-huh. a story that maybe in retrospect he would have said he should have vetted uh, a little better before coming out there. Um, but yes, what Nick is just one more example. And now this. Here's my question, Angie. Okay. I know we're running short on time. Wendy, if all of this comes to fruition and there is an investigation into this, if the Democrats take over the House, can that slow down any of the investigation into all these shenanigans? Yeah, it's a great question, Mike. And one thing that Democrats and Republicans have in common, it's a bipartisan issue. Everybody wants to get to the truth. You know, it's true that people have different ideas and they like different candidates, but nobody wants to see false allegations. Everyone wants to make sure that things are fact checked and that things are accurate. So however investigations proceed, if Democrats retake the House, they're going to have to do due diligence on any claim that comes in precisely because we have explosive stories just like this. One thing I wanted to add, you guys, and we've got about uh, two minutes left. I, one thing I wanted to add, uh, even though, Mike, you said the mainstream media isn't giving much attention to this most recent recanting of the story of the woman who made uh, sexual assault allegations against Brett Kavanaugh, and now she is admitting she did it for attention, um, the mainstream media may not really want to cover it, but it's difficult to not, uh, for, not to make headlines when the president's talking about it at his rallies. I, you know what, Angie, that's exactly it, you know, that he will get it into the headlines. Remember, he did this when he was on the campaign trail. He would bypass traditional media to take it straight to the voters, straight to the people. So you're right. Even if a story were to be buried, if it was something the president cared about, he'd do exactly what he's doing with this story and make sure everybody knows about it because his rallies are on television. Well, they used to be on television in the last couple of weeks. CNN and MSNBC have made a conscious effort to cut back, and they kind of shamed Fox into pulling back. Really? really, Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Fox has pulled back so far. As a matter of fact, last Friday, they ran more of Barack Obama's rallies. I was just going to say that. I saw it today. Yes. Than they did of, of Trump's. They're running the Barack Obama clips more often and even live than they are running Trump. So So are we coming to the point where the news is influencing elections? 
Oh, please. Oh, Way you past. you are so innocent. <laughs> I love well, you for that, but you're, you're so innocent. I'm telling you guys, the environment that I did TV news in was nothing like this. And I've only been out of TV news for six years. Now, I know that six years ago, the national networks had already transitioned over to really being skewed one way or the other. But a lot of local news had not at that point. So, yes, I am naive because I'm just so surprised they would cover more of Barack Obama's uh, rally than, the own, than our own president of the United States of his rally. All right, Wendy, your uh, website, give us that. Oh, wendypatrickphd.com or tweet me at wendypatrickphd. I'm afraid afraid to send you off in the car, but I know Mike will be back very soon. He's a really good driver. Yeah, yeah. I'm an excellent (laughs) driver. Yeah. I'm going to have to ask his wife about that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Happy Monday. Hello, Angie and Mike here. And we're talking a little bit about one of my least favorite topics, Hollywood and its impact on politics. Oh, one of my favorite things to talk about. I just snorted a little. I mean, you did. I did. I'm sorry. I just I don't care. Well, I mentioned it earlier, Mike, but you Pat Sajak summed it up in that tweet. Can I read it? You posted it. It was brilliant. Okay. Well, Pat, Pat gets credit for the brilliance. Okay. Uh, Pat Sajak, of course, of, you know, Wheel of Fortune fame. He was a weatherman at the same station where I was a weather woman. I slept in his dressing room a couple of times, but he had already removed himself from it. Okay, just so you know. Uh, Pat Sajak says, One of the many odd conceits of celebrityhood is the notion that the ability, the ability to sing or tell jokes or portray other characters somehow qualifies one to tell others how to vote. Not sure electricians or truckers or sales associates feel that same way about themselves. Thank you, Pat Sajak. I agree with you 100%. Uh, Me too. Yeah, I've often wondered why. Why, why, why Joe Sixpack or Betty Joe Sixpack wonders what the heck we care about Hollywood. So people that are paid to stand somewhere and told where to stand and told what to wear and told what to say and told how to say it, they suddenly have all the answers when it comes to what's good for you and me and the politics of our cities, towns, states, whatever. I don't get it at all, and I find it offensive. And I'm not going to explain this. I really don't want anyone to tell me how to vote, but I prefer to hear from people who are really knowledgeable in that arena. Like, I listen to you. I listen to John LeBoutier. I listen to some of my other colleagues that I work with in Denver who really, you know, work hard on educating themselves in this arena. If you've dropped, if, and I'm just using just an example, I know it's a stereotype, but if you've dropped out of school in 11th grade, so you can move to Hollywood, work as a waitress, and you all of a sudden became a multimillionaire actress. I really don't care what you think about politics. That's a really good way to look at it. Sorry. I know that's really, I'm stereotyping, but I feel there that way. There are some people who dropped out of school at an early age, and they do have a good sensibility about them, but most True. of the adults in Hollywood don't. Well, well they, they don't, Mike, they don't care about what I care about. Their lives are nothing like mine in middle America. See, that's where you're wrong. Uh, and that's where I, I have to call you out on this, Angie Austin. As a matter of fact, this very last weekend, uh, someone who 
thinks about the same things you think about. Barbara Streisand, for example, was on with Bill Maher, you know, the guy that, you know, he's he's a flaming liberal. But he had her on talking about Donald Trump and, you know, how we deal with Donald Trump living rent free in your head all the time. Welcomes Barbara to thunderous applause. She, she comes out on the stage. And I have to tell you, one of the most amazing things about this interview with Barbara Streisand, her face no longer moves. No, okay. I just saw her do that um, carpool karaoke with the late night show host from England. Yeah, James Corden. And I thought the very same thing. And I thought, shame on you, Angie. Don't judge her by her face not moving. No, I just, you know, she was a great actress. She's an Oscar-winning actress, an incredible singer. She's an intolerable liberal, but she also has gotten over-Botoxed. There is so much Botox in her head. I don't know how she, I, it just doesn't make any sense. But Mike, it's <laughs> the pressure that they feel there. They feel this pressure to look a certain way. I lived there for 10 years. I go back and see my friends. One of my friends that used to look like me looks like my daughter now. That's a little scary. Mm -hmm. She looks good, actually. Well, <laughs> uh, listen to this exchange between Bill Maher and Barbara Streisand talking about Trump living in her head. We all fight this. How do we balance, like, not being obsessed with Donald Trump, thinking about him all day? Because I've never known a president who was more in our heads, yeah, which is exactly. sort of what the album is about. Exactly. Uh, but what you, I do is, first of all, engage. I eat a lot. You eat? <laughs> I eat that. And I eat sweets, like coffee, ice cream, right? That, that counterbalances the bitterness <laughs> that he's throwing at us, right? And, uh, and also, I have to play games, literally, before I go to sleep. I mean, to get him out of my head, to get the news that I watch all day out of my head, um, thinking about tomorrow. I have to be in the present. To be in the present, you have to play uh, gin, you know? You have to play rummy cube. Right. You have to play scramble. That's my way. What do you do? So, does anyone feel like... Maybe turning off the news would prevent you from having to clear the news from your head. They're so angry they can't clear the news from their head. Like they're just angry. Like they, it's almost like they're um, feeding on it. Yeah, and that's truly what it is. Donald Trump is, as they say on the street, living rent-free in your head, Barbara Streisand. <laughs> I found that one interesting. I, and I watched some of SNL as well. I don't know if you're done with her clips, but uh, SNL I found not funny at all and um, downright offensive. And I don't mind if they make fun. Like sometimes they'll make fun of, I don't know. It's got to be funny. Like it has to be funny for it to be fun. Yeah, they opened up mocking Fox News and the coverage of the immigrant caravan. And I expected that. I expect all kinds of stuff from them. But what I don't expect is is for them to mock a Navy SEAL, ex-Navy SEAL, who is running for Congress, who also happens to have lost an eye in battle. And he wears an eye patch. Dan, Dan Crenshaw is a guy who's running for Congress in Texas. But Pete Davidson, 
made a joke about it. it just classless. And uh, here's a little clip. Uh, you may be surprised to hear he's a congressional candidate from Texas. He lost his eye in, in war or whatever. <laughs> whatever. They, uh, they went on to say, you know, uh, he also looks like a porn star. What? Yeah, he, he really insulted him. It's uncut here. Here you go. Dan Crenshaw. That's yeah, his dropped out there, but he talked about he talks about this guy looking like a, a, a pirate porn star. It's just so tasteless. It's tasteless, tasteless, tasteless. And you know, SNL, you probably did a a, a service to Crenshaw. Because here's a guy that none of us knew his name outside of the district where he's running. But now we know if you look him up, you know what a real hero looks like. And Pete Davidson, I'm sure, could never, ever in his life get through a week of SEAL training. Well, and they say no publicity is bad publicity. And sadly, in this case, that's probably true. It probably helped him more than it harmed him. Uh, but it just kind of shows the colors of SNL and what they're trying to do uh, and that the agenda that they have. And if they're going to make fun of people, um, they, they better make it funny. And in the case of this, it was completely like off limits. Like if you think what Megan Kelly did was wrong, and please, if you haven't heard the whole Megan Kelly clip or you haven't read the whole transcript, read it all before you jump to any conclusions on that one. But if you think what she did was out of uh, place, what is this guy just going to go to work next week and nobody does a thing? That's what I cannot stand, the double standard, that Roseanne Barr will lose her job over a very inappropriate uh, tweet in her own free time. And this guy can mock an American hero uh, and mock the injury he received fighting for our country. It's unbelievable, the double standard. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely there, and now we see it. And remember, Trump made those... I I think it made us all uncomfortable during the campaign where he mocked the reporter from the New York Times yes. who got disability. Yes. And we all thought, Donald, please, Mr. President, please, then candidate, did you have to do that? Uh, this is on par with that. But the media is not outraged, and they really should be. All right. Well, I'll, I guess the whole point of the segment as we go to uh, break here is that, please, Hollywood, we don't need your help getting to the polls. Hey, friend, Angie Austin here. Just wanted to tell you a little bit about a really cool thing for you to get involved with that helps us, helps you, and helps Christians as well. It's called God's Glory Box. GodsGloryBox.com is where you go. You support Christian artists, whether it be music or authors or artwork. You spread God's glory, and you actually feed hungry Americans because they donate five free meals. And you can get a discount with Good News 5 at checkout for $5 off one box, and Good News 10 for $10 off a subscription. I got about five things in my last box. I I got a really cool pillowcase. I got a t-shirt in one of the last boxes, a necklace, a placard, a pair of earrings. I gave them all away as gifts and my box was not much over $20 and all of those gifts I was able to give away and encourage other Christians. GodsGloryBox.com GodsGloryBox.com The boxes are beautiful. You support other Christians. You help feed the hungry. And put in Good News 5 or Good News 10 for a discount. 
Well, it is Monday, and uh, we are focused on everything in our world as we kick off the week. And as I look at the calendar of things related to today, there's all kinds of history out there. But today is National Donut Day. And National Donut Day is, uh, in my world, should be a holiday. I don't overindulge in donuts, but I support the industry on a regular basis. And there is a story out of California, Seal Beach, California, that just is worth hearing. It is a story of a donut shop called Donut City. And the owner, John Chan, who has a problem. He has been the owner of Donut City since he and his family came here from Cambodia in 1979. And he has worked side by side with family members, including his wife, every morning to serve donuts at their Pacific Coast Highway shop until his wife had an aneurysm. And he just wants to spend more time with him. The customers love this guy and said, well, let us set up a GoFundMe page to help you and you can close the business for a while. And he said, no, I will open, make the donuts and leave every day after they are sold. Well, Three customers stepped up, and every morning they are there when Sean opens his donut shop and they buy out the entire stock so he can go and be with his wife. I know there is good in this country, and we need to honor it where we find it. I know I get emotional on stuff like this, but... In the midst of all the acrimony in our world, in our lives, in our politics, focus on the good, because that's the real meaning of love. Look to good. And when I look to good on this show, I look to our friend, uh, Jim Stovall, author, speaker, innovator, a guy who uh, just has faced every uh, roadblock in his life and said, I'm going to plow through it. And Jim and his winner's wisdom are such an inspiration to me. I'm thrilled you're here, as you are almost every week, Jim. Welcome to the show. It is always good to be with you, Mike, and you got me going with the donuts this morning. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just, it shouldn't be rare. Well, should, I, I don't think it is. You know, if three protesters show up and say something rude and nasty we hear about it all day every day on the news i i believe there are many many stories of people like this that they stepped up and they said this is my thing and this is it and uh, you know we all have those things out there there are uh, needs and uh, desires and lack people have out there and every once in a while you just see one and you realize okay this is my deal here and these three donut customers stepped up and said uh, yeah it's my turn this is mine and uh, if we'll all be aware of those the world will be a better place but i already think it's an amazing place i think stories like yours abound we just don't hear about them enough well that's why we're here Hopefully yep. to s spread some good news every now and then. And, and I'm sure you've got some. Well, I know you have a new book coming out uh, in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, The Art of Influence will be out. And it's uh, how we influence others and how they influence us. And we need to be aware of it and do it on purpose and control what we do. Otherwise, we are just this wandering generality in the world. Wandering generalities. I think I saw that band in the 80s. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. But 
They might have been out there. What are we learning today, Jim Stovall? We're learning about taking yes for an answer. And this is about the goals, the ambitions we have, the things we set, and, you know, how we have to get specific. If, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people say, well, I'd like to have more money. Well, more is just it's not a goal. It's a direction. That's like uh, going to the uh, uh, the airport and say, I'd like to travel west. West is a direction, but it won't get you to a destination. So, you know, and, and if, if, if your goals are to have more or do more or whatever, you fall into that uh, terrible place I call the disease of more. Because if your goal is to have more of anything and it's not specific, you never arrive at more. It's just like you never arrive at West. You've got to know what it is you want and be specific, visualize the things you want in this life, and then take actual steps toward those things. And, uh, you know, but too many people, they just want more of everything and they have no reason why. And, uh, you know, and, and, and Mike, as you know, when you have a little success in life, you know, you, you don't arrive at the top of the mountain. It just buys you a ticket to a bigger game, and you are now around people that have more again than you do. It's like uh, getting out of elementary school where you were the biggest, oldest kid, and the next year you're in middle school where you're at the bottom of the totem pole again. And life is that way, and uh, we need to know specifically what we want out of this life, why, and it's not just about us consuming more. It's about what can we do for others, you know, and People ask me all the time, how do you keep balance in your financial goals? If you have a goal for how much you want to give away and you focus on that goal, you will always have balance in your life. Wow, that's a great formula. Have a goal for how much you want to give away, not how much you want to accumulate. But, you know, if you say, all right, this year I want to give away a thousand bucks to charity or I need to tie this much to my my faith you then will work backwards from that. I never even looked at it from that direction, Jim. That's a, I'm writing that formula down. I'm calling that the Stovall formula. Right, and if you, uh, if you believe in tithing, it's a great principle. It, it comes up in many faiths, and uh, don't take my word for it. Read the owner's manual, and it's real clear. And if you'll have a goal for your giving instead of your receiving, you'll always be in balance. Wow. Hadn't even thought about that. And you, when you said about the lesson today, you talked about uh, accepting yes. Um, a lot of times we can't accept yes. Uh, we, we seem to push back at that. Where does that even come from? You know, I, I, you know, I don't know. I think there's this thing in our nature that uh, we have a self-fulfilling prophecy and, uh, you know, we don't always get what we want or need or earn or deserve in this world, but we forevermore get what we expect. And too many of us run through life expecting bad things to happen. So when someone shows up and says yes to us, we don't know what to do with that. It just doesn't even seem normal or natural. And, uh, you know, regardless of where you are or what your station is in life, if you'll be totally honest with yourself, you'll find out you're just about where you expected to be. But the great thing about that today, Mike, you and me and everyone listening to us right now, we can change our future by changing our expectations today because you will forevermore get what you expect. Yeah, we're not stuck here. No matter what happens, no. you are not anchored to the position you are in today, and uh, you can do something. You can step up and take action to change your world and maybe find a better opportunity, a better something. But as Jim Stovall has been saying, and if you don't believe me, go to 
jimstovall.com. Follow him on Facebook. I, I'm a big fan of your Facebook page as well. You focus on the lack of, of concrete targets. If you don't, like you said, if you just go to the airport and say, I want to go west, you're never going to get west. You'll just be flying in a circle. But uh, my dad used to not yell at us, but stress, no wind blows in favor of a ship without direction. He was a Navy guy. Right. So that you have to have a target. You have to, even if it's a, if you're not used to doing it, get up and start with one small list of specific things you want to knock out today. And sooner or later, that list becomes uh, more aspirational and, and you will find yourself reaching for bigger things. So I'm, I'm all excited about the week, Jim. This is a Monday lesson. Frankly, I hadn't expected, but I so appreciate it. Well, it is a blessing, and I got to tell you, you know, we come full circle to your donut, no pun intended, and, uh, you know, it's not about uh, what we take away, it's what we give away, and uh, if you'll take care of that in your life, you'll have everything you want and a lot more. It's, it's so true. Give it away, and uh, that, that a lot of the charity in your life will come back to you, maybe not right away. That's the one thing we've been all brought up with immediate gratification in our worlds and in, in our brains. And uh, a lot of times it takes a while for the pendulum to swing back and come get you. And uh, that works both positively and negatively. But the, the pendulum does move, people. I'm 100% certain of it. I've been hit by it and I've been the beneficiary of it. Okay, Jim, we've got, we've got today's lesson. I've got about 30 seconds left. Anything else you want to share with us as we kick off this wonderful week? Have a specific target, and remember, you never do anything good, bad, or ugly you don't get paid for. So watch those seeds you plant all day, every day. Never do anything good, good bad, or ugly you don't get paid for. Thank you. Jim Stolval, our buddy. Follow him. Winner's Wisdom. And look for the new book. Look up Jim Stolval on Amazon. There, There's a library full of information and knowledge for you with the new one coming out November 20th. Thank you, my friend. Have a great week. Be well. All right, guys. Uh, Michael Pelka here. Angie Austin uh, on, the, uh, on the show will be back, but uh, she had to step aside for a minute, and so do I.